And so today, we're going to talk about those peaks and summits when you're, uh, you need water when you're backpacking. And all right, kids, I'm going to need your attention. I know I printed off some really amazing activity packets, but uh, I have a few things here to, to show you guys today. All right. I'm so excited to be here with you all this morning. Sorry, it took me a little bit. Um, so do you know that people love climbing mountains, right? It is like an accomplishment, and it's like, for some people, like a spiritual experience, right? And I had kind of a little experience. I didn't do in super intense backpacking like I'm going to show you here in an interview with my friend in just a moment, but I went up, um, that's just to illustrate, there's shows that people, shows people climbing the most intense conditions around the world, right? If you haven't seen that show Everest, give it a look. It's pretty intense. Don't watch it with the kids. Too intense. A lot of like frostbite and stuff. Just, just don't do it. Um, but if you can go on to the next picture, there's me 17 years ago. I had the great idea of uh, going backpacking with my father-in-law in the Weminuch Wilderness of Colorado. And I don't know why I did it. It was like, I don't know, like a manhood thing or something to see if I could survive. And uh, super fun. You got your backpack, you know, 60 pounds, any, everything you bring in, you got to take out with you. Uh, pumped our own water, filtered our own water. You can go to the next slide. Look at that. I tell you, if you ever, raise your hand, you ever been up into like above like 10,000 foot type of mountain? I mean, nothing like it, right? So memorable. And pictures don't capture it because you're surrounded with God's splendor and beauty. You can keep going. Saw some wildlife. Sorry, it's blurry. Elk saw a bear. Met a guide on that trip. They're like, I asked, you know, you see any bears ever? No. Been, been doing like 20, 25 trips, never seen a bear. Saw a bear on my first trip. Caught that lightning strike on film. There we are, approaching the peaks above the tree line. I think we went up to about 14,000 feet. Super fun time very memorable. When we got to our base camp at 9,000 feet, I bent down next to the car to pick up some stuff. Almost passed out, just bending over to get stuff out of the car. So that's nothing, though. That's just tiddlywinks compared to my friend who I interviewed, Pastor Dallas McKinley from South Dakota. Some of you might know him, dear friend of ours. And he climbed Mount McKinley interestingly enough, uh, Denali up in Alaska, the highest peak in North America. And so I interviewed him. So everyone, adults and kids, check this out. Really cool to hear from him. All right. So Dallas, what inspired you to climb a mountain? And what mountain did you climb? I climbed Denali, 
which uh, used to be known also as Mount McKinley in Alaska. Okay. And it's one of the uh, seven summits, which are the tallest mountains on each of the continents. It's the largest mountain from base to top uh, that you can climb. Uh, not the highest at the top, but largest from base to top. And uh, I did it when I was 40. And part of the reason was I just felt this uh, something in my spirit that I needed to like go on an adventure with God, something that would really uh, take me to the limits um, of depending on him and walking with him. And so that was really my motivation. Well, for this mountain, uh, part of what makes it so difficult is, of course, you're at a high elevation, but then you have to carry a tremendous amount of weight with you because you're uh, on the mountain about three weeks or it can be more, and then you have to carry everything with you for that entire time. So uh, so that means that the the heaviest we ever carried were, was probably about 75 pounds in a pack, and then also pulling a sled of probably 75, 80 pounds behind you. Hook a sled to your waist, basically. That's no so joke. So you're like a you're like a pack mule. You're uh, like you're like <laughs> you're like your own personal sled dog. That's right. That's right. Just there's a, a lot to be carried up there, and you're it's winter time conditions always up there. Of course, it's the nicer time of year, but it's snowy. Camping in the snow, and uh, you get your food and gear and everything else. All the pictures. Oh, are, we're uh, one of the highlights is just arriving at, at the at the first base camp. You fly in on a small plane, and and uh, you realize it's something completely different up there, at least because uh, the scale of everything is completely changes. Um, like there's a big there's a little rock outcropping in the distance, and uh, to me it looked like it was maybe a half mile away or a mile away, and actually it it might be ten miles away. And then also probably probably the, the most memorable thing for sure for me was that uh, every day uh, God was taking care of me. And I had a spiritual plan for my time on the mountain um, because I was definitely the most, well, the least experienced climber uh, in our team. We had a team of 12, three, um, three guides with us. And, um, you know, this is my first time on a big mountain like this. For most of these people, they had climbed multiple other large mountains maybe south america different places kilimanjaro and um so i was the least experienced so i had a plan and it was i was going to stay in the word every day so i had a reading plan i uh, read the bible every day in my tent at night and then i prayed through a prayer list for our church every day while i was there and uh, for me i guess because it's part of my calling that always um, keeps me close to the lord really i can feel his presence when i'm um, taking that calling seriously to pray for the people and um so i would do that every day and i could just feel his presence coming in and giving me strength well i was at the limits of my physical ability we had all as a team and uh, we would have four people roped together that's how you would travel guide and three climbers and so we had several of those teams all of us were going up what's called the bowl it's a big a big uh kind of a round face of a mountain and uh, really hard. So this is above the 18,000 foot camp. And we had all gotten up to the top of it, but the weather was turning kind of weak south. So um, the guys decided everyone was gonna go back down to camp. And this is probably halfway to the peak already. And uh, I could feel it in my bones. I was like, if I go back down there, I don't think I can make this climb again tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm like, God, I'm just trusting you. 
God, take me to the top. Take me to the top. Because we were the we were the sixth guided team to be up there, and none of the other teams had summited at all because of weather and other conditions and physical things. So no one had summited that season. It was kind of unusual. Wow. And, um, we were toward the beginning of the season, but like I said, we were about this. I think we were the sixth guided team up there, and no one yet had summited. Wow. So I was like, God, I'm just trusting you. And um, so our head guide said, tell you what, I'm going to take one team with me. Everybody else is going to go back down to camp and you guys, and then we'll do another try tomorrow and the next day if the weather opens up. So I just raised my hand. He, I wasn't hooked to him already on a rope or anything. I raised my hand and said, I'd like to go with you. <laughs> wow. he, said, he said, okay. So we put together three of us as climbers and him and uh, we headed up there. And of course the snow started to blow and I could see in his eyes every time I saw him turn toward us, you know, he was in the lead, that uh, he was a little bit nervous. He was like, let's go, guys, let's go let's try to beat this weather. Anyhow, so we did that. I was with him. And uh, so we made it to the very top. So I was, I was part of the first team that year, the first bunch of climbers to wow. summit, wow. And, which was great. And I remember getting to the top and thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to video myself. I'm gonna videotape myself here with some like inspiring words from my kids or something. And, yeah. and it was just like nothing inspiring at all. <laughs> so, you want a it shot? Always, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's yeah. not all glory. <laughs> so, sometimes it's just making it, but made it to the top yeah. and, and made it back down. So. <laughs> wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy, crazy stuff. So in the Bible, there are, uh, Many of the major events in the Bible actually took place, interestingly enough, on mountains. There's one very, very significant event that did not take place in a mountain. We're going to talk about that today. But we're going to kind of do a little mountain climb together through the Bible. And I have some goofy cartoon friends that are going to help us transition between each one of those points. All right? All right, here we go. It's Pink Panther and Friends. Go tell it on the mountain Oh, man. All right. So our first stop is, the first mountain, is Adam and Eve. And that's where it all begins. That is the first mountain that we're going to climb. And you can go to the next slide. God took six days to create the universe and our world. And our best, his best creation was us. And God created Adam and Eve. And when he did that, he created family. And he said to this first family, it's your job to go and spread my kingdom throughout the world. It's your job to go and spread order, kingdom order, kingdom love throughout this world and bring it into order, right? So when I... Went to that, hold on, I got some things in my backpack here. Hold on, I don't need that. Don't need, don't need these, at least right now. Anyone hungry? 
fry up some eggs for you. Uh, don't need that. Got a tire. I don't know. I don't know what that's for. Got a crowbar. Nope. Okay. All right. What I'm looking for here is right here. This is our family photo. And that is when I climbed up the Adam and Eve mountain, this is what I found. Family. You can't see it? That's our family photo. That's our family photo. And so that's what we found at the top of our first mountain here today. And in Genesis 3.15, God is speaking to Satan right after the fall. And Satan thinks he won. And God says to him, I'm going to put enmity, meaning I'm going to put a war between you, Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and hers. So he's like, her family, her kids, her offspring that love me, they're going to go to war against you, Satan. And then he says, he, Jesus, will crush your head, Satan, and you'll, strike his, you'll only strike his heel. Right? So God says his first promise that he makes in the Bible is he's actually speaking to Satan. He's like, Satan, you think you won, but you didn't win. My family is going to come and take you down. And there's a special member of my family who is really going to take you down and crush you and destroy you. So we're going to trek on to the next part of our mountain, or the next mountain peak with our cartoon friends. Right, we're at our next mountain. The next mountain is Abraham. That's the next mountain peak of the of the Bible. Abraham is Adam and Eve's great 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 time seventeen grandkid. Okay, and so here's what we're gonna learn about. Let me look at my backpack. All right, what we're gonna learn about Abraham is this, a star, okay? You can't see? Right here, star. All right. So, God chose Abraham's family to bless the entire world, and God made him, Abraham, a promise that he's going to have more children than there are stars in the sky, Okay? Now, I did a little research about this. Well, let's read the, uh, well, you, if you can go back one, sorry. God said to him, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And God is foretelling that one day, there's going to be someone who's going to be a blessing to the entire earth from Abraham's family, right? 
All right. So I did a little math. You can show that next slide. So have you guys ever been out in the country and, and looked up at the stars and seen the Milky Way? Raise your hand. Have you ever been out somewhere where it's so dark that you can see the Milky Way? When I went on my backpacking trip, I was in that little two-man tent, and I got up uh, in the middle of the night, and I unzipped the tent, and I looked up at the sky, and it was startling how many stars I saw. Because here, if you, if you just see stars here in Springfield, right, you're like, oh, look, there's the star, right, because of all light pollution. It's like starlight, wish upon a star. It's like one star. But if you go out in the country and if you go on the mountains, you can see millions of stars. So check this out. I did a little research. And in our galaxy, they asked a science, some scientists to do an estimate of how many stars are just in our Milky Way galaxy. Okay? And can you guess how many billions of stars there are just in the Milky Way? 67 billion. Anybody else? Shout out. 80 billion. 200. They guess that it is between uh, 100 to 400 billion stars just in our galaxy. And then I went a step further, and do you know how many galaxies they think are in the universe? 100 to 200 billion galaxies in our universe. I can't even begin to fathom the size and magnitude of that. So I don't know about you, but when I do the math, I mean, we have 5 billion people on this planet. I kind of I suspect, don't quote me on this, okay? Stop recording. We're going to have to fill up other planets once Jesus returns. I mean, like... Goodness, I'm sure Jesus has a plan for all the people because he said to Abraham, you're going to have so many children, it's going to be more than the stars. That's a lot of people because there's a lot of stars. That's really exciting to me. All right, so we're just going to watch a quick video about God's promise to Abraham. Near the very start of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we find this story about Abraham and Sarah a grandma and a grandpa. God tells them that they would have a baby. Most grandparents don't have babies, but as we're about to find out, when God makes a promise, he delivers. God had spoken to Abraham when he was 75 years old and said, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and bless you. God takes Abraham outside and says, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. But Abraham and Sarah did not have children. How was God going to make their family into a great nation without a single child? It was a promise that seemed so outrageous, so beyond belief, that Abraham and his wife Sarah thought God must have been joking. But Abraham was a man of faith, and so he did just what God had told him. He had to have faith in God. Abraham and Sarah waited and waited and waited. Years passed by, and they didn't seem to be any closer to what God had promised them. With faith in God, they waited. 
They both went through a lot while this promise waited to be fulfilled, made some bad choices that hurt others, made good choices that helped others. But through it all, they trusted the promise of God. Sarah was now 90 years old and Abraham was 100 years old. God spoke to Abraham and said, I will bless Sarah. She will have a baby son and you will call him Isaac. Ha ha ha, he laughed. Sarah laughed too. How could an old woman like me have a baby? But sure enough, God did keep his promise to Abraham and Sarah. They had a son at the exact time God had planned all along. This isn't really a story about Abraham and why he was so special. It's a story about God and why he is so special. Faith is trusting God to do what only God can do. We can have faith and trust in God. God keeps his promises. Amen. So, after Abraham was given his son Isaac, God tested him to see if if Abraham would be willing to give up his promised son, right? And Abraham passed the test. He said he would be willing to, but what did God do? God provided a ram as a sacrifice instead. And really, God did this just because this was a foreshadow pointing to Jesus, right? Because one day, God the Father would willingly give up his son to become the Savior of the world, right? So this point, really, Abraham and Isaac and their relationship pointed us to Jesus and the cross. All right, we're going we're to journey on to our next destination now, our next mountain, with the help of our cartoon friends. Let's see if he can make it up this time. I don't think he will. I see problems. (laughs) All right. Our next stop, our next mountain peak that we're going to stop at is Moses. So we've been to Adam and Eve with the family. We've been to Abraham with the promise, right, the star promise, and now we're at Moses. So Moses, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and a year or so ago I taught the kids in Children's Church that in our culture, a lot of our rules and boundaries, many of them surround um, safety, right? We have red lights, we have stop signs, and all those are meant to keep us safe, of course. Um, You know, the rest of the rules have to do with taxes and stuff. We won't go there. We won't open that wound today. Um, But uh, so most of our rules have to do with keeping people safe. Well, God's rules were not about safety. They were about putting a boundary around love, right? 
So his people were reintroduced to him, and he's like, I want to introduce you to myself, and here's some boundaries that I want you to put around love. Let's go ahead and not kill each other. I think that's a good boundary. If you have passed that boundary, it's safe to say you have broken love, right? It's okay to laugh. I, it's, it's really okay. Um, if you want, you don't have to, but I'll pay you money later if you do. Um, uh, right? If one of the commandments, don't steal, it's safe to say if I stole something from you, there'd be some trust broken, some love broken. So he's like, God's like, here are the bare commandments you need to live together, right? Well, Moses points towards someone else later too, right? And so um, the thing to help us remember, Moses is my makeshift megaphone that I've created, right? Because Moses was on the mountain and Moses had to speak to the people and tell them about who God was, right? He had to stand up on the mountain and be like, this is what God is like, right? Okay. Let's, let's continue our travels up the next peak, shall we? You ready, kids? Let's start climbing. Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere The next mountain that we're stopping at is King David's Mountain. And what I have in my backpack is this crown. This crown. And this crown reminds us of King David, but it also reminds us that God just really, he used King David to tell the people, there's a king coming, and he's going to reign over the whole earth. Okay? Now, God made King David an amazing, amazing promise. King David was a conquering king, and he was a very good king, and he loved God very much. God made him this promise. He said, I've made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I've sworn this oath to him. Listen to this. I will establish your children, David, as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. Whoa, what a promise. God said that a king would sit on David's throne in Jerusalem for eternity. You know who that points us towards? Jesus, the coming, conquering, and reigning king. Isn't that awesome? All right. Let's progress on to our next mountain peak. Here we go. Don't tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Well, he made it look easy. <laughs> He's built for that, you know? 
All right. So the next stop is the first coming of Jesus, right? And here's the thing, though. Here's the interesting event. When Jesus was born, there was no mountain, right? This is a, I put that up as a figurative mountain. Now, Jesus' life, a lot of things that happened in Jesus' life were done on mountains. But when he was born, he was born in a lowly manger, right? No one knew about it except angels went and told lowly shepherds. They were like the lowest people in society. And the, the angels told the shepherds to go and find and worship Jesus. There were no kings, no politicians knew about the coming of Jesus. He was not born on a mountain. He was born in a lowly stable, right? Only shepherds, Mary and Joseph, and a few animals knew about his birth. At least that's what all the pictures and nativity scenes, there's, there's animals, right? Right? There was no parade up and down a mountain, right, to celebrate him. So let me tell you, though, some things about Jesus' life. You remember how Jesus taught people on the mountain? Remember the megaphone? And Jesus, or Moses taught people the Ten Commandments, but you know what Jesus said? He's like, you've heard it said this, but let me tell you the heart behind that. Right? So Jesus was a type of Moses, right? Who taught the people, who prophesied to the people. You can go to the next slide. Jesus prayed on a mountain. His favorite spot to go pray was on a mountain called the Mount of Olives. You can go to the next slide. Just like Abraham went on to a mountain and he was willing to sacrifice his son, Jesus died on a mountain hill, right, called Golgotha. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he left his disciples and gave them a mission, and he went to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he left from the Mount of Olives. And his disciples went up looking, they kept looking, and an angel came and said, hey, he's gone now, next is your mission. Don't worry about when Jesus comes back, because he's coming back the exact same way you saw him leave. Isn't that cool? All right. We're going to climb up to our next mountain. Oh, somebody dropped something. All right, here we go. Let's see if Pink Panther makes it this time. And we made it to our last mountain. So when Jesus comes, he did not come as a king. He came as a lowly service servant. But when he returns, the Bible said he was returning as a reigning, conquering king. Right? And so it says that Jesus will come back. And in Zechariah 14, it says his foot 
will touch the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will split in two to celebrate his return. This, when Jesus returns, everybody's going to know. His first coming, no one knew. He came lowly. He came as a humble servant. When he returns, he is coming back as a conquering king. So everybody is going to know about that. And he will sit on David's throne in Jerusalem. What? That is crazy. And we will be with him and reign with him forever on the earth. Isn't that awesome? That is the full gospel message from the beginning, the beginning peak to the top summit. We just summited just now, which is the term that those really high-tech mountain climbers like my friend Dallas, when you've reached the very tippity-top peak, it's called summited. You've summited. So, so here's the deal. Throughout the Bible, all those places, all those mountains were mountains of encounter. Adam and Eve, they encountered God. They walked with him, right? Abraham heard God's voice and encountered God. Moses went up on the mountain. He was given the Ten Commandments, and he encountered God in a powerful way, so much his skin shone like bright light. David was a worshiper, and he encountered God's presence in the temple. He's like, I'd rather be a doorman, just hold the door for people in the temple of God and be in his presence than be anywhere else, right? Jesus loved being in the Father's presence, and then people loved being in Jesus's presence. When people came to Jesus, they encountered the Father, right? So today can be your mountaintop experience. Today can be a moment where you encounter God, and this Christmas season can be a defining mountaintop in your life today, where God wants to intervene. He wants to take a scenario or a season in your life. Maybe you're going through a winter season, not literally. We're all going through winter, winter literally, but maybe figuratively, this is a season that is hard, okay? God wants to come in and breathe new life. He wants to encounter you in the middle of this season. Can you stand to your feet with me? If you're a leader or a prayer team leader, can you just kind of come out over here over the front? We'll give our kids some space over there. Today you might need a fresh encounter. And I believe that as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit was like, some people here, this is going to be a mountaintop experience in your story today, okay? We all need words from God to keep us going. We all need encouragement from each other to keep us going on this trek and journey, okay? I don't know how many times I've had a friend, a family member come up to me and now that in a time of need, and they gave me a word 
from God that kept me going through the valley and helped me reach the next mountaintop. We need that, okay? And now what I can do is I tell the stories of those mountaintop moments to my children, which then helps them have their own mountaintop moments with the Lord, okay? You bow your heads with me today. Mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for sending your son. Holy Spirit, just come and touch each person here today. Mm. I believe some of you are going to start feeling just like a burning in your heart. And that's the Holy Spirit or maybe on your head. Because the Holy Spirit wants to encounter us. We're not here to just talk about Jesus. We're here to encounter Jesus. We're not here to just talk about God. Talk about the Holy Spirit. We're here to encounter the Holy Spirit and God the Father. If something in you just is reaching out and you're like, I just, I need refreshing. I need a fresh encounter. I need something to help me get up this mountain. I encourage you to just step out and come up to one of these folks up here and we'll pray with you and I'd love to pray with you as well because we want to get you up to this to the next mountain. Today can be a mountaintop encounter for you with God. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray that this season would just be a powerful, powerful season marked with encounters, encounters with God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. I just continue to welcome you up here for a minute before we close out. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you praying, just keep praying. Just a heads up before we close. Um, We need help signing Christmas cards over in the community center right after church for veterans coming home. Thank you, Jesus. And also, if if you need to pick up a ham, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this time. What a fun time here today with all the kids being here. What a special time. All right. Hey, you guys, you are released. You're free to hang out in the Holy Spirit's presence. If you want prayer, you can just come on up but you be blessed this week.